All right, hockey fans, listen up because we've got something special cooked up for playoff season. It's called the Daily Faceoff Playoff Parlay Challenge, and it's going to add some serious spice to your playoff experience. Now, here's the deal every playoff game, you're going to be faced with a handful of questions. It's like your own personal playoff puzzle, and it's free to join. And there are prizes because who doesn't love winning stuff? Daily winners, you're getting hooked up with gift cards. Treat yourself to some nation gear or maybe even your favorite jersey. And for the big dogs, the people who can win an entire round, it's straight, cold, hard cash. We're talking about real dough for your hockey knowledge. So lace up those skates, stretch those thumbs, and get ready to show off your hockey IQ in the daily face-off playoff parlay challenge. Sign up today and play every game day at games.dailyfaceoff.com and prove your puck prowess. I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates, like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash achieve today. There's never been a faster or easier way to start your weight loss journey than with PlushCare. PlushCare accepts most insurance plans and gives you online access to board-certified physicians who can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wigovi and ZepBound for those who qualify. Take charge of your health and speak with a board-certified physician about a weight loss plan that's right for you. Get started today at plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. plushcare.com slash weight loss. Better late than never. Welcome. Yeah! It's favorite. Let's go, baby. Fucking Anton Lander. I like, really like the bank up Milk. Yeah! This is Ceases. Yeah! Ceases. Ceases. Tyler, your rem check is so fucking sexy. Emotional damage! <laughs> fucking Anton Lander. It's my favorite. Uh, I played with my sound late than never. This is so I'll turn this down. fucking Played with the soundboard a little bit over the last week, clean things up. It's going to be a little bit easier for me to navigate these days. Welcome to Better Late Than Never episode 53. Lots going on today. All kinds of shit in the news. What is going to happen? Well, we will see. We will see, but I got lots to talk about. But first, I want to talk about my friends at the audio department. Of course, you check out theaudiodepartment.ca. That's just the website. You go there first. Then you find out that the audio department works to create a safe space for creativity and collaboration for artists and musicians to realize their potential and share their message through a sound and a story. 6916 82nd Avenue Northwest. That's where you go to record a mixtape or a podcast or whatever it is that you got going on. Some artists that have recorded there. Shout out, 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 out. Striker, Royal Tusk, The Dungarees, Purity Ring, White Horse, Dan Davidson, bunch of others. Lots of people going on there. Going to start off this week's podcast just with a hilarious thing that's happened on Twitter today that I saw was annoying a whole lot of people in that they launched, Elon Musk did, that is launched Twitter Blue. 
in all countries today, meaning that any shithead could go pay eight bucks and get themselves verified. Well, guess what? This shithead right here went and got himself verified. Let's go, baby. That was supposed to be louder. I got myself verified. The interesting thing was is I just wanted to see the process. I had I don't really care about the check mark all that much, albeit it is fun to have, I suppose, after, you know, uh nine years on Twitter without one. It's fun to have it, but I don't really care all that much. What I was most interested in was paying for Twitter Blue for a month and seeing what happens. What is the verification process? Like, what are they going to do to give you this quote unquote verification check mark, which by all accounts doesn't mean anything to anybody anymore? And as somebody who paid for it today, I can tell you there is no verification process whatsoever. You go in there. So this is what I did. I updated my Twitter app. Twitter Blue became available to me. It says, do you want to sign up for this price per month? And I was just like, okay. Up comes my Apple Pay on my phone. A couple of little buttons. It goes, blink. You are now a subscribe to Twitter Blue. I go to my profile. Instantly, there's a blue check mark there. Instantly, and I find it to be hilarious. So what does that get you? Not a whole lot, really. There's some interesting features, I guess, like the most notable one is the blue check mark. Got that. Another couple of things that they put in, I can now post, uh, I can edit my tweets up to five times within 30 minutes of tweeting. Your edit history is visible to anyone who wants to see the evolution of a tweet. I guess that's good because you can't just go edit things and say, Tyler Remchuk murders people. And he would have quote tweeted something days ago that says, I agree with this wholeheartedly. You can't do that. So I appreciate that, I guess. I can also post full 1080p videos on my account. I can post videos up to 10 minutes long. I don't really do that. Maybe I'll just post entire clips of this show, just whole segments. Whole segments of the podcast are going to go up there now. Let's go, baby. Thank you, Elon, for that. There's also the weird one that I thought was there's undo tweet. You may have this in your email already prevents you from rage tweeting, I guess. You can set a period of 5, 10, 20, 30, or 60 seconds in which you can recall a tweet before it actually goes live on Twitter. Some people may like that. I find it actually annoying. At first when I got Twitter blue and it was just like, your tweet is processing. Do you want to recall? I was like, what the fuck is this? So I was just waiting. I obviously found the settings for that in the Twitter blue, but that's pretty much all you get. That is pretty much all you get. It's not like you've got a long list of new features that are going to just really blow people's minds. Not yet. Not yet. I do think that there's going to be more coming. I do have more options for customization, if that's something that interests you. I've got different sizes and fonts that I could do. I don't really care. The most fun that I've had, though, is tweeting at people who are legitimately verified today and being like, hello, verified Twitter user. Your old pal Bag Milk here, as you know, I also have a blue check mark. We are now equals. I was tweeting at Frank Saravalli today, all day, and I was having a good time with it. On the other side of this, though, we knew it was going to open Pandora's box in the sense that if there's no verification process, which I can guarantee and I can confirm that there is not, if you pay your money, you get that check mark. That's it. That's as far as it goes. What happened instantly was there was a fake Connor McDavid today announcing that he had been traded to the New York Islanders, said thank you to everybody in Edmonton. It was not Connor McDavid. The Oilers have not traded him. So if you fell for that one, a bunch of people did. 
There was also a pitcher for the New York Yankees. I'm going to pull up his name because quads, quads and I, David Quadrelli over at Canucks Army, we were talking about this today. Uh, Aroldis Chapman. Aroldis Chapman, he's a pitcher for the Yankees. Tweeted out that they're, he's not going anywhere. Happy to announce I've re-signed with the Yankees for three more years. That thing has been retweeted so many times. As I'm recording right now, oh, I see the account has been suspended finally. But it was retweeted thousands of times before it was eventually suspended. So there are holes in this plot line for all Elon Musk. <laughs> the thing that I've been enjoying all day is seeing people that are legitimately verified complaining about those of us who paid for the verification, as well as people who were smart enough to not pay $8. Also complaining about the verification. It was very fun. I don't know. I just had a good time. This is probably the most fun I've had on a day on Twitter where Kodak Black wasn't grinding at a Florida's Panthers game in a long time. In a long time. It's so stupid. <laughs> like if I, if I tell you that I've been turned down for verification because they said I didn't hit qualification A, B, C, like, I don't know. It's 10 times at least over the years. <laughs> and then today I spend nine bucks or whatever it turned out to be. Because in Canada, it's not actually $8. It was like $9.99 or something. I spent that and instantly, boom, done. Verified. <laughs> it's so dumb. And then there's other people who are just like, Argh. don't do it. I hate it. There was also that double verification for a second where people were, not only were you a verified account, but you also got official marked under your account that has already been taken that got launched and replaced today i looked at the edmonton oilers feed today looking for some evander kane news which we're going to get to once we get to the news and they had edmonton oilers blue check mark that we've always known and then underneath it there was another check mark and it said official <laughs> it's so stupid it's like the double verification already gone already gone so Elon's uh, reign on Twitter is already becoming interesting. Another note is if you're listening to this, you may have heard about the other social platform called Mastodon that's launched. I don't know what it launched, to be honest. But there's people that are saying, we're leaving Twitter and we're going over to Mastodon. Well, I signed up the nation, Oilers Nation, for a Mastodon account a little while ago and I've been playing around. That site sucks so bad in its current version that I just cannot see mass adoption. You have to join servers. They're very specific. There's not a whole lot of users there yet. So the experience is just basically talking to yourself. It reminds me of a shittier version of early Twitter. That's what it reminds me of. Can it approve? Of course. Do I think that everybody just at a base level of internet that is using Twitter for news or just tweeting at babes or whatever the fuck you're doing with it do i think they're going to convert themselves to mastodon because it is now an option and it is supposed to be the new quote-unquote twitter i don't think so at least not yet i could be wrong but we'll see what happens right i didn't expect elon musk to uh just allow any shithead with eight bucks to verify their account but that's where we're at today too so what the hell do i know right what the hell do i know <laughs> right exactly uh, in other news, I asked you guys the question of the week for this week was, who is your first Edmonton, favorite Edmonton Oiler and why? And as always, I'm just going to, I know we're going to have some more on the voicemail coming in later in the podcast, but just a couple of the early ones that came in on Twitter. There were a lot of fun. Uh, Taryn says three-way tie for various reasons. Wait a minute. Where are we here? I'm in the wrong one. So we got uh, a couple of mine was just Mac T. Mac T because he didn't wear a bucket. And when I was a young kid, when I was a very young man, 
I just appreciated looking at him. He was the last guy in the NHL that didn't have a helmet on. And when you're like nine years old or whatever it is, super cool. Uh, this one was a funny one. Liam says, Dustin Penner. I just love the way he played. <laughs> I don't know how many Oilers fans would say that uh, Dustin Penner is their favorite first Oiler, but there you go. Dwayne says, aside from Wayne, Yari and Moose, for whatever reason, when I was nine or 10, I fell in love with Joe Murphy on the kid line. Guy had the speed and the finish. Too bad his career didn't pan out here in Edmonton. Had a hell of a career Joe Murphy did. Unfortunately, it was a sad news where it ended up, but that's actually a decent one. My favorite one though, and I'm going to put this over here with a cry, with a cheering, is that this first player answering the question of the day or of the week, I should say, is also a podcast confession, podcast confessions. And it just made me laugh. This one's from Connor. He says, my first favorite player is also a podcast confession. I used to download nude videos to my dad's computer and label them as things he didn't care about, like Sam Gagne highlights from 2009. And that's why he will always be my favorite player. That's so dumb. That's the dumbest thing I've ever heard, and I couldn't love it any more than I do. So I know we're going to get more of those as we get into the voicemail, but I always like asking these questions, and I always like your responses because there's stuff that just comes in that just always surprises me. It always surprises me and always entertains me, and that leads me into the news. The news brought to you by the audio department. Check them out at theaudiodepartment.ca. Go there. Record whatever you got going on. You've always wanted to get that mixtape out. It's time to get that done. Go to theaudiodepartment.ca. Find out the details on how you can make that happen. Uh, the first thing I want to start off with is the Oilers had a three-game losing streak that wrapped up last night. Just really quickly, I want to touch on the losses to New Jersey, Dallas, and Washington because I thought they were all so different from each other. I thought they were all just insanely different, in fact. And it was almost weird to see the Oilers lose in the way that they were um, because they were all so different. Like against the New Jersey Devils, Oilers came out like a house on fire, started playing really well. They got themselves a 3-1 lead, went into the third period up by two goals, collapsed in the worst way. They just basically let New Jersey do whatever they wanted, and it was incredibly frustrating to watch. I don't know what that was or why they just felt like they needed to sit back. There's one thing that that drives me nuts about the Oilers when they have a lead, and it's been for years now that it drives me crazy, is when they have a lead in the third period, instead of keeping the hammer down, the pedal to the floor, and trying to get more offense, they sit back in some kind of prevent defense and try to just ride the clock out. It looked like they were trying to do that too much against New Jersey. As the period wore on, the third period that is, the Oilers kind of picked it up a little bit. They had some amazing chances to score. The most obvious one was Cody Ceci missing a wide open net set up by my boy Ryan Nugent Hopkins. That would have sealed the deal. The Oilers would have at least tied the game and gotten a point out of it. Did not execute on that. Way she goes. Way she goes. The New Jersey Devils backup came in after Blackwood, uh, Mackenzie Blackwood went out with some kind of a knee injury, I believe. He came in and just completely shut the door. It was incredibly annoying. On Saturday, another matinee, just awful all around. In terms of uh, just a bad game by the Oilers, I didn't even understand what they were doing. Wait a minute. Who are 
you? I didn't know who they were because, like I said, they just didn't look like the Edmonton Oilers that had won five games in a row. Jack Campbell in net wasn't very good. He just buried himself after that. We're going to talk about that a little bit later. And then the Oilers really had no answers for anything that the Dallas Stars were doing. It was incredibly frustrating. In terms of a poor effort, that was, in my opinion, the worst game of the season. Monday against Washington, you look at the lineup that the Washington Capitals were icing, they were missing basically half of their lineup. There was no John Carlson, there was no TJ Oshie, there was no uh, Tom Wilson, there was just, there was no Nick Backstrom. Just the list went on. They were missing about $40 million of actual payroll on that night, and it was so annoying to see the Oilers not able to, like, to, to, to do anything with that opportunity. I even tweeted before the game started that on paper, this looks like good news for the Oilers, meaning all of the injuries that the Washington Capitals were suffering. I've also been an Oilers fan a long time, and you can't fool me that easily. You know, you just can't fool me that easily. And that was part of the thing that I think was the most annoying. So that was a rough losing streak. And then you look at last night's game against the Tampa Bay Lightning. Again, on paper, you go, oh, fuck. Oilers not playing at their best. They don't look like they're playing with very much confidence. Jack Campbell getting the start on the second half of a back-to-back. Jack Campbell admittedly was not very good against Dallas. What are we going to get? And then what we get is him standing on his head. Oilers allowed the first 10 shots of the game. He kept them in. Only allowed one goal in the first period. Allowed the Oilers to kind of gain some traction. And then they ultimately ended up winning that game and grinding out a very gutsy 3-2 win. It was just, it was incredibly frustrating because had they played with the same urgency, the same attention to detail, the same penalty kill, again, we're going to get to that later, then we wouldn't have lost to Washington. And that's, the inconsistency with this team is a little bit frustrating. But ultimately, they picked up two massive points against Tampa Bay. But uh, the, the the tough news obviously came in the second period with the injury to Evander Kane. Pat Maroon, former Edmonton Oiler, accidentally kind of stepped on Kane's arm. I don't exactly know where. It looks somewhere by the wrist. Instantly, Kane gets up. You see a gush of blood, just like a blast of blood hit the ice. And as soon as that happens, you know there is bad news. Anytime a guy gets cut by a skate, you know it's bad news. But in this one, he gets up, rushes straight to the bench. According to Gene Prince Bay, he was yelling, help, help, help. That is scary shit. That was one of the scariest incidences that I've ever personally seen, like watching a live game. And we didn't know it was going to happen. So the fact that the others were able to refocus and even get themselves into a position to win that game is very admirable. I know everybody basically said after the game that they were trying to do it for Evander Kane, win for Evander. He's a popular teammate in the room. Did not want to see that happen. And ultimately, this is horrible news for an Oilers team that just, they're deeper, there's no doubt. But losing this guy for what we learned today is about three or four months is a huge blow. A huge blow to the team. And I'm not talking out of school when I say that. Anybody listening to this right now knows that. Losing a Vander Kane for three or four months is a disaster. You don't have, like, I mean, there's going to be guys that have to step up and there's guys that will step up, but none of them are going to provide what he does. Not just the scoring, but the toughness, the ability to ride shotgun with Connor, the wheels. If anybody touches Connor or Leon or whoever's on the ice, Vander Kane will step in and he will make some noise about it. And that is a huge, devastating loss for the Oilers. And it's going to be fascinating to see how they, how they, work together to overcome this massive hole. Somebody's going to have to step up. 
Somebody's going to have to step up. We know that today, Matthias Janmark and Klim, Kloss, Klim Kostin were recalled. By all accounts, both guys playing reasonably well with the Condors, but even in aggregate, the sum of their parts does not equal Evander Kane. So what's going to happen? How are we going to get together and work through this injury? Because that is a massive hole and it's for a long time. The good news is, though, Evander Kane is okay. Got surgery last night and this morning he tweeted out a statement. Just I'll read it for you. Thank you for all of the well wishes. Of course, my Twitter just closes. Fucking verified Twitter doesn't work shit. Thank you for all of the kind wishes and prayers from over the last several hours. Obviously, last night was an extremely scary moment for me, and I'm still in a little bit of shock. I would like to thank the entire training staff of the Edmonton Oilers and the Tampa Bay Lightning, along with all the doctors and paramedics who rushed to help treat and repair my injury. Without all of you, I know things would have been much worse, and I'm sincerely grateful. I won't be back next game, but I will be back, and I look forward to being back on the ice playing the game I love alongside my teammates in front of our great fans. Uh, so obviously just devastating news for Amanda Kane in his first year of that new contract with the Oilers. He's a big part of this team. He's a big part of this team and I don't know how they're going to bounce back from it. Uh, they're going to have to, everybody runs into injury troubles at some point. This one is just a really bad one and it's for a long time and it's, it sucks, man. It just sucks. There's nothing else you can do, you can say about it other than that. And I'm hoping that the Oilers kind of rally around the situation and hope that the guys that get called up, the Yanmarks, the Clem Costins, the Dylan Holloways, who will probably get his minutes elevated a little bit because of this, I hope they find a way in aggregate to chip in and solve this because this is a massive season for the Oilers the worst possible time for this to happen just as we're navigating a very difficult period of hockey for this team. What's going to be interesting though, is if he's out four months, if we go in the later half, the latter, like the extended half of the Oilers timeline that they put out on Twitter today, that puts him close to, let's do a little bag milk math here. I'm going to put something on this here. Let's do a little bag milk math. November, we still got a lot left in this month. December, January, February. That brings us to February is four months. But mid-February, mid-March even, if you're going to just take the first half of November and not factor that in. But that brings you close to the playoffs. Is this an opportunity for the Oilers to Nikita Kucherov this situation? Could you use the cap space now freed up by the injured Evander Kane and try and do something with it? Like, I hate that I'm talking this way, but... If you've got that space now in your favor, why wouldn't you use it? Is there an appetite to have him sit until the playoffs, come back when there is no salary cap as an extra addition for the Oilers going into the postseason? Probably not. I mean, imagine you want him playing before the end of the year, especially if he's out until February. There's still a lot of season left to go. There will be, by my account, terrible math, by the way, there's going to be probably like 15, 20 games left by the time he comes in. But... Is it an option? I don't know. I really don't know. It's going to be fascinating to see what happens. It's going to be fascinating to see how the call-ups respond to their first opportunity with the Edmonton Oilers. Uh, Matthias Janmark was signed as a free agent this year. Klim Kostin obviously was a return in a trade for Dmitry Samorikov. We'll see. I don't know. Changing gears a little bit, I want to go back to Jack Campbell because on Saturday, as I mentioned, he just, man, he was so hard on himself. 
Yes, he was bad against the Dallas Stars. Yes, he allowed six goals. And yes, he probably won at least three of those back. But for him to call himself pathetic and all the all the just the really grandiose verbiage he was using to describe his own game, it was a little bit jarring, wasn't it? Uh, I, I just I don't know that I've ever heard that kind of accountability to that level, and I know that that's the word on him when he came over is that when he's down, he's really down. But man, that was a that was tough to listen to, wasn't it? I was watching the post game on TV as the Oilers were wrapping up, and it just. Like I said, I hadn't heard anything like that. So the quote was, it was kind of like it's gone all year for me personally. I just haven't brought my best. Frankly, it's just been pathetic the way I've been playing. I owe it to this team to bring my A game and they haven't seen it yet. And again, I appreciate the ownership there. I appreciate the accountability that he is dropping on us when he says that kind of stuff. But like... There comes a certain point when you're a goalless hander, you just want him to be a little bit feisty, don't you? Maybe that's just me used to having Mike Smith back there. And if, they would, if somebody would have said, hey, Mike Smith, you didn't have a great game today, we'd have been like, fuck you. Fuck you. It's not my fault. Fuck everybody. Like, that's kind of what I'm used to. So maybe it's just going to take some time to get used to this. Or maybe the Oilers need to have somebody on staff that's going to go give him a hug when he gets that down on himself. Because, Or maybe I'm just making much ado about nothing. Because again, yesterday against the Tampa Bay Lightning, he was fantastic. 35 saves in a 946, easily his best outing of the season, and it was fun to see. Also fun to see was that the penalty kill was able to respond with a perfect 5-for-5 night, a night after, 24 hours after going, allowing four goals on five chances against Washington. I know Washington has got a decent power play. I know Ovechkin has scored a million goals from that left circle, and he's going to continue doing it until he retires. But the fact that the Oilers gave up four goals on the power play in only five chances is shocking. That brings them down to 30th of 32 teams on the PK, and that's just not good enough for a team with Stanley Cup aspirations. It's not good enough in any respect, is it? So I just, I don't know what the answer is to solve it. I'm very happy that last night the boys got a perfect night. I noticed that Woodcroft mix up the staffing a little bit. Warren Fogel out there on the PK gets his first goal of the year. Absolute bullet, by the way, on Andre Vasilevsky. Man, did he need that. <laughs> that was aggressive. Man, did he need that one. But like, I wasn't used to seeing Warren Fogel out on the PK. Obviously, they need to change something. He gets out there and scores a beauty goal. Ryan McLeod with the assist, walks in and buries it. First shot of the game, first goal of the year. The celebration on Fogel, too. You love to see that because my boy was excited. Here's hoping that kind of gives him a little bit of confidence, a little bit of a push in the right direction because he's had a slow season so far. He went 31 games heading into last year without a goal. That's too long. It's too long for a guy making $2.75 million. Of course, I don't hang these contracts on any of these guys because I would sign them too. But if you're going to get paid that much, you're going to need to get a goal. Speaking of guys that need to get a goal, Kaylor Yamamoto looks like he may never score again, got bumped out of the fourth line this year. I agree with it, but the only thing that sucks is there was nobody on a heater that can replace him up in the top six, you know? That said, yes, Pugliarvi did play with uh, Ryan Nugent Hopkins. He's red hot, by the way. And Connor McDavid, also red hot, on the first line last night, and he looked good. 
That was the second straight game in a row that Yessi was up there, or Yessa was up there on the first line. Against Washington, I thought that he was trying to do a little bit too much offensively. It seemed like any time Connor passed him the puck, he just shot no matter where he was at, meaning he would duff some from the top of the circle. NHL goalies are going to stop that all the time. But I thought last night against Tampa Bay, he did a better job of finding scoring areas that he could slip into and try and wait for a pass. I thought he did a great night last night. Five shots on goal. Probably his best game of the season. Best game in a season plus. So if Yessa can get going, Warren Fogle can get going, that is great. We need those guys to play at their best. Kaylor Yamamoto, you're next up on the list because, my guy, you need to get going as well. We've got $9 million worth of players who are just not scoring at the rate we need them to. And I know it'll come. These guys are streaky goal scorers. And I'm hoping that that starts sooner than later, especially with what happened to Evander Kane. Am I right? Uh, in other news, in Oilers news, sixth round pick Matt Petrov was named OHL Player of the Week. The kid is on fire. 14 games played in the OHL. He has eight goals and 12 assists already for 20 points. You'll love to see it. I don't really talk about prospects a whole lot on this podcast, but wouldn't it be nice if the Oilers have a late round pick? Matt Petrov was a sixth rounder, after all that actually turns out and becomes a contributor at the NHL level. That doesn't happen in this franchise. I would love to see it. I feel like we're due. Math tells me we're due, doesn't it? Right? Lastly, in the news, I want to wrap things up just by telling you about the brunch for Ben. On November 26th, we are throwing a brunch party at Soho. That is a Saturday morning. Doors open at 10 a.m. The hockey game starts at 11 we are going to have all kinds of prizes to give away. We are going to have contesting. We are going to have giveaways from our great sponsors and partners. Tickets are going to be 40 bucks for this one, but the goal of this is to raise money and donate it to the Stelter family, which they would then relay to a charity of their choice. We are working with the Stelter uh, the Stelter family on the brunch for Ben on November 26th. You can get your tickets right now at nationgear.ca nationgear.ca i promise you're going to want to grab these soon because the event is going to sell out you're going to get the usual swag bags that's going to come with the t-shirt uh you're going to have a bunch of other stuff in there again from our partners you're going to have raffles in you're going to have entry into the prize giveaways and i'm telling you i'm looking at the list that maddie and the marketing crew and jared and sales were putting together they have got a lot of good stuff going on in there and they've got a lot of partners that are willing to help out. So you're going to want to be a part of this event. As we get closer to the 26th, this is only November 9th as I'm recording this, there's going to be more details, including more prize details of what you could win just for being there. And I promise you that you are going to want to be there. Nationgear.ca, November 26th, circle it on your calendars. 10 a.m. doors open at Soho. That is on Jasper Ave, downtown Edmonton. You're going to want to be there for this viewing party. We love a good brunch party, and it's been ages since we've had one. So I'm super excited about it. Cannot wait to see you all there. Cannot wait for a little bit of brekkie. Maybe I'll even just have a breakfast pizza. I don't know what I'm going to do yet. I'm excited to be there, and that's how we are going to wrap up the news. The news is brought to you by the audio department. Check them out at theaudiodepartment.ca. You know you want to be there. Get out. Go on. Get involved. Do it. Do it. You're listening to Better Late Than Never. What do you need to do is leave a nice little review. 
like and subscribe. Next. I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash achieve today. You want to see a man, boy? I'll show you a man. Kick me in the jimmy. For our friends at Trilogy Oilfield Rentals, it is time for the Righteous Sack Beating. Of course, TrilogyRentals.ca is where you need to go. They are an established provider of oil field tools with full-time operating units in Provost, Weyburn, and Kindersley. They also provide seasonal and project-specific stations in Fort St. John, Fort McMurray, Lac La Biche, and others as customers require. They have got all the rental tools. They've got the finishing tools. They've got the coil tools, the drilling tools, the completion tools, everything you need. And as we've been learning on this podcast... Those are very important. They're very important. I want to appreciate everybody that has been sliding into my DMs as well and teaching me what these do. Not only am I learning and not only am I doing live ad reads for our friends at Trilogy Rentals, I am learning in the process and I appreciate that. I always appreciate that. What annoys me this week, and I actually see we have a guest righteous sack beating that you left on the voicemail, so I'll get to that one as well. What annoys me though this week is the never-ending arguments about Yesapuliarvi. What I'm talking about is not the people in the middle, the ones that like him as a player, the ones that feel like he can be a contributing member to the Edmonton Oilers, but rather the ones who are so hyperbolic on either side of the argument. Either Yesapuliarvi is the worst fucking player you've ever seen in your life, or he is the absolute best player you've ever seen in your life because the underlying numbers tend to say so. That is driving me crazy because it is not doing this kid any service as well or any service at all, what it's doing is it's taking the people in the middle of the argument. People like me. I like Yes a whole lot. I think he can be really solid for this team. I think he'd be a contributor. In fact, I'd have him on my team any day. Maybe not for three million bucks, but I would have him on my team any day. And what you're doing is you're taking people in the middle and you're pushing them to one side or the other, or they just don't care. I've seen so many people replying to tweets about Yes Apuliarvi as I was putting this bit together that just don't give a fuck anymore. They just say, trade him out of here so that we don't have to hear about it anymore. And it's so annoying. I get the, I get that angle too. I get why people are upset to keep seeing this argument over and over and over again. We're going back to 2018, 2019. That was when he was with the Edmonton Oilers for 46 games before going to back to Carpat in Finland in 2019-2020-2021. Those two we've been arguing about this now for years. Years. What is Jesse? What is Jesse not? What does he do well? What does he suck at? The answer is a lot of stuff on both sides. He is not a perfect hockey player. And I don't care what kind of numbers you show me, you will never convince me, even with the underlying numbers that I understand, I get XGFs. That's the major one that we'd like to look at. I get the shot suppression numbers, but you're never going to convince me that he makes Connor McDavid better. Nor do I think that he's an anchor when he plays elsewhere. 
he is not the worst player on this team, nor is he the best player. And I think that we need to get to a a spot where we're just accepting Yessa for what he is. He is a player that is a work in progress. He is like a big old pile of, of, of clay that we're molding into place. But what I can tell you that he is not is the far sides of either side of the argument. And it is so annoying. It's so draining. You'll see people that are just shitting on other players on the team to try and prop their arguments up or prop their arguments down one way or another. Oh, well, Kaylor Yamamoto's not scoring, so that means Yessa Puliari should play 55 minutes a game. No, it doesn't. It means that Kaylor Yamamoto is having a hard time. Yessa can still be better in his own right. I'm not saying he's been bad, but he can be better. And on the flip side, just because he has one goal and one assist doesn't mean he's never going to score more than that again. It's just annoying. It's frustrating. It goes back to a righteous sack beating that I had a while back where I I just said I want to avoid the whipping boy culture this year. I don't want to get involved in it. But that's what it seems like no matter what you do, no matter what the fuck is going on, there's always going to be a whipping boy culture in this city no matter how hard we try to buck that trend. And it is annoying. And for my friends at Trilogy Oilfield Rentals, the righteous sack beating is a plea to please stop with the hyperbolic arguments on this guy because they are so dumb. And in some cases, they're making us all stupider for having participated. And that's where we're going to end off this week's righteous sack beating. You want to see a man, boy? I'll show you a man. Kick me in the jimmy. Also, for our friends at Trilogy Oilfield Rentals, I see that our boy Nick has got a righteous sack beating that he submitted in the voicemail, but since I've rearranged my entire soundboard, I caught it, and I'm playing it in the right position. Nick, what's annoying you this week? Big Milk, what's going on? I'm not quite sure if this is a righteous sack beating or not, but it is something that pisses me off a little bit, so let's call it a righteous sack beating. Go for it. You want to see a man, boy? I'll show you a man. Kick me in the Jimmy. Buddy, I gave you the intro. Anyways, Tyler Ramchuk said something on Oilers Nation every day, and I believe also Oilers Nation (laughs) Radio, that uh, something like, man, the Oilers boot that lead. The New New Jersey Devils are legit. I'm not even that mad. Sometimes you just have to credit an opponent. And while he's a very sexy man, Uh I got to disagree with Tyler on that. Like... Yes, I do agree. Sometimes you got to credit the other team. Yep. Sometimes you also have to look at your own team and be like, hey, listen, man, we fucked up. I'm glad you said that because that was my point against the New Jersey Devils. The New Jersey Devils are good. You do have to give them credit for being a very solid hockey team. But at the same point, I'm with you, Nick. The Oilers fucked that up. They had a two-goal lead with 20 minutes to play, and they duffed it so bad. There was a lot that went into it. They couldn't cash in on plenty of their chances. Early in the period, they were sitting back in that prevent defense that I talked about. It was annoying. You got to give New Jersey credit for breaking through that and finding a way to come back with three straight goals. But from an Oilers perspective, they fucked up. Back to you, Nick. We fucked up, and that's maybe something to be mad about. You blew a 3-1 lead in seven seconds on a bunch of gaffes, one from Stuart Skinner and then one from Marcus Niemelein, and that shouldn't be happening at all. That's not something to sit there and say, oh, I'm not even mad about it. I'm not mad about that at all. Oh, do you want to credit the Devils? No. The others could have blown that lead to the 1992 Pittsburgh Penguins, and I still would have been pissed off. And these years, New Jersey <laughs> Devils aren't even in the same stratosphere as the 1992 Penguins. 
to be not mad about that is just completely idiotic and a rare Yemchuk. I imagine he was going to say a rare Yemchuk loss, but you only get 90 seconds when you leave me a voicemail. You only get 90 seconds. And unfortunately for Nick, you ran out of time, bro. You ran out of time. I wonder if we're going to get the back half of that in the voicemail with zero context because I've moved this over to the proper section of the soundboard. We shall see. But for our friends at Trilogy Oilfield Rentals, that wraps up the Righteous Sack beating for another week. You want to see a man, boy? I'll show you a man. Kick me in the jimmy. I am Optimus Prime, and you're listening to Better Late Than Never with Bagged Milk, Autobots, Transform, and Roll Out. I love that, Captain Felton. Again, now I've got my bumpers organized. They're all labeled properly. This is beautiful. This is beautiful. But that leads me into the Betway bets of the week that I just want to talk about really quickly for my friends at Betway. My thing that I've loved this past week because it's hit for me a few times. On Betway, they have these pre-built bets where they're kind of like a parlay, a same-game parlay. They've got all kinds of different things. You've probably heard Liam talk about it on Oilers Nation Radio or Oilers Nation Every Day where it's like, you can get a power play goal anytime and an empty netter, and that pays you X. Well, the one that I like, the pre-built belt that I've been playing with lately, Leon Dreisaitl and Connor McDavid, both to score in the same game, has been ranging between plus 300 and plus 350. And if you've been paying attention to what's been going on lately, you will absolutely know that they are filling my pockets because those two are red hot right now. And when that happens, chances are they are both going to get a goal. Now, it doesn't always happen. I'm not saying I'm hitting it every time, but I will say I've hit three of the last four. And I'm going to take those kind of odds every single day at that payout. Until they prove me wrong, betting on Leon Dreisaitl and Connor McDavid both to score in the game is easily my favorite bet of the week for my friends at Butway. Again, I love it. If you want to submit your favorite bets, fire those over. Fire those on over, I should say. Uh, Of course, there are people that bet on all kinds of things. So I just really appreciate it. I appreciate it. And I appreciate the money going into my jeans because also another thing with those bets, Connor and Leon both scoring, they've been covering my losses a lot. In games where I thought the Oilers were going to have a really good chance to win, like on Monday against the Washington Capitals, I was a little bit heavier. I looked at the lineup and I said, you know what? My brain tells me that the Oilers are going to shit the bed because just historically, these are the games that they shit the bed in. What did I do? I bet heavier than I should have. And what happened? I lost money. So when you get a Connor and Leon same game goal bet that covers your losses, you dig it. And that's where we're going to wrap it up for our friends at Betway. Before we move on to the voicemail, there was one thing that I wanted to pull up from Oilers Nation every day. Tyler has Frank Saravalli on from Daily Faceoff every Wednesday. And today, Tyler asked him about some Oilers rumors. Are they going to go out fishing? What do you think? Well, I'm always curious what Frank has to say when it comes to Oilers rumors. And this is what he said on today's episode of Oilers Nation every day. So... Like that losing streak, is it just a blip or is there a chance that the front office maybe notice some things that they're going to try to address over the next three, four months leading up to the deadline? I think they certainly have their marching orders. Um, I think that they're beginning to formulate, um, you know, what that looks like, whether it's adding someone to the bottom six that provides a bit of an edge or a specialty like a penalty killer. Um, And I, I think ideally at the end of the day, they'd like to add a bona fide center to this mix 
you know, maybe not now, but maybe a lot closer to March 3rd, um, where they're in a spot to be a lot more competitive than they have been to this point. There you go. Frank says the others could be fish, fishing for a bona fide center. Does that bring up the Jonathan Taves rumors? Of course, you have to retain. He's making a ton of money, but he's in the last year of his deal. He's got all kinds of experience. He's got cup wins. Duncan Keith will probably tell him, be like, you know what? Edmonton in the playoffs is dope, man. That place is insane. You're going to want to be there. I'm just picking him as an example because he's been linked as a potential third line center option for the Oilers already this season. I'm just thinking out loud because unfortunately, as I mentioned earlier with the Evander Kane injury, the Oilers have a little bit more cap space than they did yesterday. And I'm curious to see how Ken Holland is going to play with it. I'm curious to see how he's going to play with it. If he's going to play with it, even at all. I don't know. We shall see. Ahoy there, listener. You're listening to Better Late Than Never the number one podcast for testicular-related discourse in the entire Edmonton metro area. Is that true? I don't even know. But what I do know is true is it's time for the voicemail. The voicemail brought to you by Trilogy Oilfield Rentals. Again, check them out, trilogyrentals.ca. You need, you need their services. You need completion tools. You need coil tools. You need drilling tools. TrilogyRentals.ca, that's where you make it all happen. Got it? Got it. Good? Good. Quite a few voicemails came in this week. I wonder how many of them are going to be about my question of the week. Who's just your favorite oiler? I love to know that. I always love to know your opinions on that stuff. Why you just fell in love with this team in the first place. So let's get to it. First up, Chom Out. So I missed the milk. I'm gonna 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 tell you a tale. Gonna spin you a yarn. Um, uh-huh. Fuck. Anyway, we've already wasted ten seconds. This is stupid. <laughs> um, what made me like the Oilers? So when I, you know, growing up, lived in a small town in fucking Australia. There was only rugby league and cricket to watch on TV. Whatever, cricket sucks. Rugby league's okay. Um, <laughs> moved to the city. One of my housemates was one of those fucking Australians that just got back from two years in Australia. Uh, fucking, what's that? Not here, over there, Canada. Oh, yeah, man. I went to Banff, went to Whistler, fucking, did some skiing. Shut up, cunt. Um, well, I probably can't say that. <laughs> anyway, beep that out. Or not, whatever. Um, and he was like Vancouver mad. Like, oh, yeah, go around hockey. And I'd always liked been curious about hockey but never got a chance to watch it anyway the only other person i knew who liked hockey was when i was 14 i was on a nirvana fan forum and met this girl from calgary she was the same age so we started chatting whatever flames mad so she's like oh go for the flames and he's like no no go for canucks and i was like oh what's this other team like oh no no, no they fucking suck anyway there's gonna be part two of this but i was like nah motherfuckers <laughs> fuck that shit i'm going for the Goddamn <laughs> Oilers, the gosh darn Oilers! The... What the fuck is going on? <laughs> yeah, I got, I got another, I got another ninety seconds here. Is this going to be for my Australian friend, or are we pivoting? We'll see. Fuck. Um. Hot. <laughs> oh, fuck, man. Ninety <laughs> seconds isn't long enough. That's what she said. Um. <laughs> so part two. Because I know you're all wanting to hear more from me. Mm-hmm. Anyway, um, got into the Oilers. Oh, so excited. Every time I get into a new sport, I always follow it 
a, a shit team because then I'm not a bandwagoner, you know. Oh, I respect um, that. My housemate comes home one day. He's fucking so angry. Oh, fucking Oilers have got first overall in the draft, you know, rah, rah, lottery. Like, brah, I, I, I never followed American sport before. I was like, brother, Vietnam War's over. What draft are you talking about? <laughs> anyway, it turns out, you know, a couple of months later, we draft McDavid. Obviously, everything else happened since then. So I literally started following the Oilers fucking, you know, eight months before we drafted McDavid. Now the Oilers are my all-time favorite team out of every sport. I listen to fucking like 30 hours at least a week of Oilers podcasts. Um, That's amazing. I listen to every game at work if I can't watch them. Um, Man... This team is fucking everything, man. I love this team. Love Oilers Nation. Love Nation Dan. He's a good guy. He is a good guy. And go Oilers. Play La Bamba. I, uh, that, man, that story was a journey. That was a three-minute journey from our Australian friend. He labeled uh, part two of that voicemail as Uncle Donkey Volley, by the way. I don't think he's actually related, but we'll, well, I I don't know the family trees of these gentlemen. Uh, I like that he came aboard, jumped aboard the bandwagon when the Oilers were terrible leading up to the McDavid draft. I'll never forget the McDavid draft party that we held at the Pine downtown. It was absolutely nuts in there. That was one of the craziest events that we've ever thrown, hands down. So for the last seven years, I appreciate that you came aboard. I appreciate that you found Oilers Nation, and I especially respect that you just dove in nuts deep into trying to get this fandom as part of your identity down there in Australia. I respect it a lot. Love that voicemail. Love that voicemail. Captain Felton, what say you? Ready? Ready you <laughs> Like Scoob. It's better late than never with bag milk. Zoinks! <laughs> I love it. I, who knew Captain Felton was the man of all these voices? I appreciate it. I played his Optimus Prime one a little bit earlier. Now I got Scooby-Doo and uh, what's his nuts? I appreciate that. Up next is B-O-E or just Bo. I'm going to go with Bo. Hey, Bagged Milk. I just want to let you know the Bagged Milk family is growing. Hmm. Hopefully your podcast is growing. But it that's is. not what I'm talking about. My wife and I had a newborn in October. Oh, congratulations. And Which means I've been bagging a lot of breast milk at home. And I thought there was three interesting coincidences. <laughs> One, Bagged Milk lives in Edmonton uh-huh. where it's ice cold. It Two, is. I've been bagging milk at home and putting it in the freezer where it's ice cold. And three, the Oilers against the Devils in the third period went ice cold. I don't watch many games. Maybe I'm a bad luck charm. I don't know. But <laughs> pretty disheartening when you get two goals scored on you seven seconds apart in a crucial time of the game. It is. Yeah, it was a bummer. Well, thank you for being here. For a guy who doesn't watch, uh, who admittedly doesn't watch a bunch of games, somehow you found, uh, stumbled across, across this podcast, and I'm very, very grateful for you. Very grateful indeed. I appreciate you, sir. And uh, all the best on being a dad, or whatever. You appear to have stumbled across something rather good. Yes. Oh, fuck. My fry's just gone off. Ah. <laughs> uh. Donkey Volley, I don't know if that one will make the bumper page, but uh, that one is a good one. Take two. You appear to have stumbled across something rather good. Yes, your ears aren't deceiving you. 
this is betterly than ever. The good part about this is, oh, I apologize. The batteries were dying there. The good part about this is that Donkey Volley, he couldn't do anything with that first take. If it was recorded, it was sent to me and I just get to play it. And the part I like about not listening to any of this shit before I actually play it on the podcast is that I don't know what's coming. So when you guys fuck up, I appreciate it because I also fuck up a whole bunch of times. What is up next? All right, boy, this is um, basically, I'm trying to do a Bristol accent. I'm from England, you know, all right, boy. Oh, good afternoon, Aiden. Uh, hello, good afternoon, Aiden. That's gone to Belfast. Oh, God, I'm an absolute disgrace of accents. Sorry. All right, 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 all Northern England, where you're from, Donkey Volley, but I really appreciate it. I very, very much do. Is this one too? You too? Because I'm going to guess that it is. Dirty little pervert. I've just walked on you listening to Better Late Than Never. Yes, good choice. Dirty little perverts. You dirty, dirty little perverts. I'm going to give you one of these. Mm. Uh, I see Nick is up next. Nick, is this the second part of your voicemail, or what the fuck is this one? Baked cream, what's mm. going on? Uh, yes. So who was my first favorite oiler? Well, I'm just going to try and nail this down to one guy, because I like a lot of weird, weird players. But I'm just going to nail this one down to Sam Gagne. And it's not for the reasons you think. Is it because you too downloaded nude videos to your dad's laptop and relabeled them as a, a Sam Gagne highlights 2009? Because that is my favorite reason I've ever heard that Sam Gagne is somebody's favorite player. You could talk about all the shootout goals he scored when he was a rookie or how he came onto the scene as an 18-year-old looking all fresh-faced and now he's like 33 or some shit, but he's been around 100 years. You could talk about all that, but no, 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 no. My boy, Connor, my boy Connor says he just he was downloading nudes. He was downloading nudes onto his dad's computer and he had to find a way to keep them without being too obvious. So if you got anything less than that for Sam Gagne, well, we'll see how this goes. Yes, I'd like the 8.9. But when I was younger, the only kind of video games I ever had was Wii. And it's still the only video games ever I've ever had to this date. Anyways, uh, when, I, when I was younger, the games we had on the Wii were kind of limited. So they were like, you know, we ski, we sports, that kind of thing. But mm-hmm. the one, the one sports game we had was NHL 2K9. So that was released before the Oilers had the Young Guns, the Hall, the Eberle, the Nugent Hopkins. Mm-hmm. There wasn't a whole lot good going for the Oilers at that time. So I always used to play the Oilers in franchise mode. But this was when Sam Gagne was still a very highly touted prospect. It was his 19-year-old season. He and Tom Gilbert always developed really well when I'd play him in franchise mode. And they would always become my you know, franchise centerpieces. Uh-huh. So I just started liking Sam Gagne, honestly, because he was always my best player in NHL Duke 9 franchise. I wish I had a better reason than that, but that's the one I got. I actually don't mind that. I don't mind that at all. It's a very stupid kid brain reason of liking a player. I completely respect it. Totally get it. 100%. In fact, I just like knowing that Sam Gagne was the best player in that game for you. You know? I like to know that. I like to know that. Was 
What do you got for me? Hello, Mr. Milk. Uh, I am not recording this with a Caesar in my hand. I wish I was, but my first... By the way, since since Waz brought it up, I'm still rattled about the fact that Waz had never had an actual Caesar with vodka in it until last week at the Oilers game. That doesn't make any sense to me, the fact that he was sneaking around his old place of, uh, of employment, sneaking around. That's very important. Drinking virgin Caesars while hiding in corners or behind plants or whatever the fuck he was doing. I am still rattled by this. I still think about it. And I cannot wait to enjoy a Caesar with you, Was because I think that once you enjoy one with a friend and a real aficionado of Caesars, I'm going to bring your appreciation of that drink up even further, young man. Now, what do you got for me? Most ever favorite oiler was Sam Gagne. A lot of for Gagne. Because... He was the first Oiler I ever got to meet, got an autograph. I think it was back in like 2009 where the Best Buy near my house was having its uh, grand opening and they brought in uh, Sam Gagne to do an autograph session. Uh, unfortunately, that uh, Best Buy doesn't exist anymore. It's now a value village. Mm. Um, so that's sad. I really like that Best Buy. And uh, yeah, but ever since then, the Sam Gagne was like my first real favorite Oiler just because, I don't know, I guess when you have like, you, when you're a kid and you, you meet a hockey player for that first time, you kind of feel a little bit more connected. I don't know. So, yeah, my first uh, favorite oiler was Sammy Gagne. That makes sense. Again, my favorite, first favorite oiler was Craig McTavish just because he had no bucket. I was a stupid kid. What do I know? But my second favorite oiler, just to piggyback on Waz and just how impactful it can be when you actually meet one of these guys when you're a kid. When I was little, I used to be able to walk outside of the oiler's dressing room. I'm sure I've told this story a bunch of times. But my dad took me down there after a game and Bill Ranford came over and signed him a program. And because of that, I just had a lifelong dedication to Bill Ranford and the Edmonton Oilers. And I remember when he was traded out of Edmonton, I was devastated. I didn't understand how the business went. All I knew is that the guy who signed my program, he was no longer an Edmonton Oiler. And that was very upsetting to me. So was, I totally get it. Alyssa, what say you? Jordan Eberle was my first favorite Oiler and still current favorite Oiler. Right now, though, Nugent Hopkins. No, but I didn't get the why, Alyssa. Jordan Eberle, was it because of his first NHL goal? I'm going to guess it was because of his first NHL goal. That thing was an absolute beauty. Remember who assisted on that goal? Do you? I'm going to give you a second. Jim Vandermeer, you're absolutely right. Congratulations. Not only are you smart, but devastatingly handsome as well. Or beautiful. Whatever way you would prefer. Good. Electronic Jordan, you're up. My first favorite Oilers player, Bill Ranford. Mm. I barely understood who he was or what he did, but when I was three, I wanted to grow up and be Bill Ranford, not be a goalie and not be just like Bill Ranford. I wanted to grow up and be him. I wonder in your, I wish we could elaborate. Like, I wish I had a follow-up question there for you, Electronic Jordan, because what in your dumb kid brain were you expecting to do as Bill Ranford? You know what I mean? It's like, uh, when I grew up, I wanted to be a fire truck or something like that. That's the exact same thing. But what do you want to be as Bill Ranford? Not a goalie, like you said. You wanted to be Bill Ranford. I would love to know. I would love to know. Maybe you'll leave a follow-up voicemail. I don't know. Nick? So, Bade Cream, I just watched the Edmonton Oilers get embarrassed versus the Washington Capitals last night. And mm-hmm. you know what? Maybe this is just confirmation bias. But when Duncan Keith retired, I thought, you know, I thought like a lot of people, I was like, hallelujah cap space. But I also thought the Edmonton Oilers were really going to miss his presence. 
And I don't want to take credit for that because I know a lot, a lot of people thought the same way. But that seems to be the correct thought to have. Duncan Keith's biggest problem when he was an Edmonton lawyer, and I know a lot of people didn't like him. Duncan Keith's biggest problem was he was old. He would make plays that when he was in Chicago, when he was younger, he would get away with. But because he was older and he wasn't as fast as he used to be, and he wasn't as strong as he used to be, he'd get burned because of it. But Duncan Keith thought the game the way no Edmonton Oilers defenseman does. And I think the Oilers are really missing that almost, that just veteran presence on the blue line. You know, I look at games this year and the Oilers, they're making one lapse in defense and they're panicking and they don't know what to do and everything keeps spiraling and spiraling and spiraling. But then I think back to last year and, you know, times would come where the Oilers would give up a bad power play goal or Koskinen would let in a shit goal. And Duncan Keith would come in and he wasn't the best defenseman, but he would come in and he would just calm everything down. And I think the Oilers are really missing a guy like that this year. What do you think? Am I on target or am I way off base here? I'll, I'll I'll buy what you're selling. I don't know how much they miss Duncan Keith, what he would do on the ice, but I bet they miss Duncan Keith, the person, for exactly the reasons you said. The guy has done everything there is to do in hockey. He's won everything. He's won the awards. He's won the Stanley Cups. He did it on international ice. There's value there. There's value in learning lessons from guys who have been there and done it. So I absolutely buy that they they miss that from Duncan Keith. A thing that I actually missed from Duncan Keith that I didn't expect was how fucking sneaky dirty was he? He was ruthless on the back end. If you were not paying attention or the ref was not paying attention, he is going to slash you in the back of the legs. He is going to cross-check you in front of the net. And oftentimes he would get the benefit of the doubt because he's been in the NHL for a thousand years. I absolutely miss that because if you look at the third pairing now, you've got on that left side, you've got Marcus Niemelainen, who I do enjoy the way he throws his body around like a missile. And you've got Ryan Murray, Tyler, uh, Tyler Uremchuk's new favorite because of his perfect tan. But neither of those guys are just sneaky, dirty, mean. Niemelainen will crush you with a hit. There's no doubt about it. But he is not just sneaky, dirty. And the others don't have guys like that. And that's one thing that I find that as the season wears on, I miss about Duncan Keith. I miss looking in front of the net and seeing a guy get dropped because he got slashed in the back of the ankle. I miss that. I don't know that uh, people are going to appreciate my love of goonery, but uh, I got to tell you, I got to tell you, I do, I will say that I do miss that about Duncan Keith. 1000%. Surveyor Brett. <coughs> oh, hey, big <Bagel. coughs> I was just talking to the guys in the back about my <coughs> favorite oiler as a kid. Definitely has to be number 39, Doug Waite. Nine. He's one of the best players we had in the 90s. 90s. Prolific scorer, mm-hmm. great playoff performer. He had 23 goals, 49 assists, and 94 pins in 97 <laughs> games in the playoffs. Remember 97? He was the guy who passed it up to... <coughs> Todd Marchant for the OT winner. Love me a Dougie weight assist. <clears throat> now, Surveyor Brett, I have a question. Do you actually love Doug Waite, or did you just find a player that you could mix in a bunch of sour shoes noins in there for me? I don't even know the answer to that. I will buy that you love Doug Waite. You're the right age. But I also think there's some trickery in there from Surveyor Brett. If you're a Howard Stern fan, you would absolutely know what he's doing. Jason, you're up next. Hey, Big Milk, Jason here in Calgary. I'm just phoning to uh, answer the question of the week. Uh, my favorite player uh, 
oiler at the time, uh, probably date me is, was Yari Curry. Mm. And the reason be because Gretzky to Curry and that's all that needs to be said. Uh, secondly, uh, just want to say podcast confession. Hit me. I couldn't make the, uh, the YYC road trip, uh, as there was COVID in our house and I really wanted to go, but I didn't want to get anyone sick. But then the disease got you and all chaos broke loose. So mm. anyways, uh, I'll hang up and uh, listen to your call. Well, I appreciate you staying home when you're sick. Ultimately, I did catch COVID when I was down in Calgary. At least I think I did. I'm, I've recovered now. I'm back on the mend. I'm feeling good. Uh, my nose is not dripping like a faucet as it was last week during the recording. Good news. But also, I, I wish I was older in the sense that I just, I wasn't old enough to appreciate the Gretzky to Curry. You know, I know exactly what you're saying when you say Gretzky to Curry. I know it's going in the net. Lord knows I've seen enough highlights. Lord knows I've read enough stats. Lord knows I've read enough stories. But unfortunately, I'm just not old enough to have truly appreciated it. And that kind of bums me up because I feel like that was some magic hockey that we're never going to see again. The era was different. The style of play was different. The players were different. Everything was different back then. And I just kind of, I kind of wish that I got to see it, you know? Next voicemail from not Tommy Sallow. So it's probably not him, but you never know. Hey, Bag Milk. My first favorite oiler growing up was Tommy Sallow. I was a goalie, 10 years old, thought he was the coolest guy of all time. I remember my mom was a nurse at a hospital in Edmonton, and he had a baby there. And somehow she got my goalie glove signed by him, because I guess he said he would. And I wore it to a game, sitting behind the net, hoping he would notice me and call me up to the big leagues. No, it didn't happen, Still waiting for that call, but yeah, there's probably, time. you know, any day now. There's time. Anyways, love the show. Love the bagged milk. Love you too, buddy. Uh, Tommy Sal is a good one. I wish more goalies would chime in because I'd love to know who your favorite goalie was. If I'm thinking about just my age group, if I had a favorite goalie with the Oilers, probably be Bill Ranford, as I mentioned, because he just signed my program. But in terms of actual goaltending, I loved Cujo in his short window with the Oilers. Man, I loved Cujo when he was here. He was just so good in net. And again, you talk about the 97 playoff series against Dallas. Doesn't happen without Cujo. Doesn't happen without Cujo. Last voicemail is from Evan, not Jake. What's the dumbest belief that some people have these days? Personally, I would go with <laughs> money. When people have a lot of money, it makes them evil. Probably probably that because that shit's just fucking annoying. Okay, if I make a lot of money through hard work and success, I'm not an evil person. Like, what the fuck is wrong with you? I don't even know where that came from. I wish there was more context. Did I say something about that? I mean, I admire people uh, in like, I admire people that ri put risk in to start a business. I, I really admire entrepreneurship. I admire people that work hard to be the best at their craft. Did I say something about this? I don't find people with a lot of money to be evil. I understand that's kind of the, uh, the trend du jour these days. Again, I did complain about getting verified on Twitter in the stupidest possible way because Elon Musk just decided to buy Twitter for $44 billion. But I don't think he's evil. Scattered, maybe? I don't know. I don't know the guy. I just know what I read. Um, that was an interesting voicemail from Evan, not Jake. <laughs> Where did that come from? I don't know. I must have said something. That's how we wrap up the voicemail. 
Again, the voicemail brought to you by my friends at Trilogy Oilfield Rentals. If you need fishing tools, which we learned what they are, that means something fucked up. You go to Trilogy Rentals, you book it in. They've got everything you need. Fishing tools, coil tools, drilling tools. I found out the coil tools is something about pouring acid down a hole. That sounds cool as fuck. Maybe one day Trilogy will invite me out to run some of these things and just be like, Bag Milk, this is a coil tool and you can play with it. But not for real because you might injure yourself, right? Of course. Of course. Just to wrap up this podcast, I want to finish it off with a, another reminder about the brunch for Ben that is happening on the 26th at Soho on Jasper Ave, right downtown in Edmonton. You can get tickets for that event on nationgear.ca. Also, if you haven't looked at Nation Gear in a while, we've got some fresh designs out, including the flannels. You've been waiting for the flannels. They're going to sell out in a hurry because we don't have that many of them. That's just the reality of the situation. We ordered a bunch, but in the grand scheme of things, based on what our feedback and just what people think of them, they are going to go. And that's where I'm going to wrap it up. I want to say thank you to the audio department for being amazing. They want they are the title sponsor of the podcast, and of course, Trilogy Oilfield Rentals. Please keep leaving me voicemails. Please keep leaving me reviews. I didn't check if there was anything new, but maybe next week there will be some new reviews for me to read so you can tell me how I'm doing. Just leave five stars. You can say anything you want in the review. Tell me I suck, but leave me five stars. Got it? Good. And in the meantime, the Oilers have a big game coming up tomorrow against Carolina. They've got another matinee on Saturday against Florida. This run of matinees is just it's wild to me. At least I get that they're in the Eastern conferences or the Eastern time zone this time. So it's actually four o'clock, which is still an odd start time in my opinion, but at least it makes more sense than a 2 p.m. start on Saturday at Rogers place. Grow the game, I guess. Grow the game. But until then, go follow me on Twitter because I am verified. I got a check mark there. I paid for it. I paid for that check mark, but I got it. And you too can get one apparently because there is absolutely no bar that you need to clear in terms of getting verified these days. And with that said, with that done, with that out of the way, I will push the exit uh, exit music and you guys have a great rest of your week, okay? When you make decisions for your company, you look for the no-brainers. If you have a lot of mailing to do, Stamps.com is the ultimate no-brainer. Use the Stamps.com mobile app to mail everything you need to keep your business running with up to 89% off USPS and UPS. Make the same no-brainer decision as over 1 million other businesses with Stamps.com. Use code PROGRAM for a special offer. That's Stamps.com, code PROGRAM.